class. Uh, we've been talking the last several weeks just about how important it is to build up our faith. Amen? Amen. And how many of you know that, you, that in life you're going to have faith challenges? That, that, you know, the Bible says that we should not be ignorant of the, of the devil's devices. Uh, in other words, you and I have an adversary. We have an enemy. And so if our job is to believe, the devil's job is to get us to not believe. Amen? And so we have to make sure that we are putting more belief in us than the world is putting doubt in us. Amen? And how many of you know doubt comes from every direction? Doubt can come from your soul realm, your own uh, thinking and limitations, you looking at yourself rather than looking at God. Doubt can come from well-intended people who you are in close relationship to, whether that's family or friends. Doubt can come uh, from the television, from the internet, from the magazine. Uh, you, you look at the news and you hear all of these horrible things that are going on. Uh, gas prices are going up. Food prices are going up. People are losing their jobs. But how many of you know the Bible says that even when calamity comes, as believers, we can declare that it won't come nigh our dwelling. Amen? Amen. And so I, I don't know about you, but every time I hear something negative, I practice making sure that I'm saying the right thing. It's why I really love that confession that Pastor Sean made this morning when she started talking about the fact that we have to use our words to say the right thing and not say everything that comes to our mind. Because you can be so intellectual, you can be so intelligent that you will say what all the economists are saying, but how many know we don't live by the economy in the world, we live by God's economy? Yes. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. God, God never, never has a shortage. Has a shortage. Amen. And so because Amen. God never has a shortage, I don't have to freak out when I hear what the economists are saying. You know, this next presidential election is going to be important. But what I keep telling everybody is it doesn't matter who the president is, God still reigns supreme. Amen. Amen. And so, yes, it, it makes some difference. Yes, you need to get out and vote. Yes, you need to exercise your right. But at the end of the day, we can't put our hope in who the next president is going to be. Right. We got to put our hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. How many know presidents have failed in the past? How many know God has never failed? Amen. Amen. And so this morning, I want to spend just a few moments, I want to recap with you some of the things that we've been talking about. I tried to put them together in a nice little package for you. Uh, and then we're going to let you go today, but I want you to spend time this week thinking about these things. Let's begin with Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. In Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1, it says, My son, forget not my law. It says, but let thine, ear, let thine heart keep my commandments. He says, for length of days and long life and peace. That word peace means nothing missing, nothing broken. It says, shall thy add to thee. So notice what he says. He says, if you hear my commandments, if you put them in your heart. Now, when, it, when he says put them in your heart, it means to do it. Amen. Because if you say, I, if you, say you love someone, there ought to be some action that shows that love. Right. So he says, if I keep his commandments in my heart, there ought to be some actions that shows I'm keeping those commandments. He says, if you do it, your days on the earth will be long. He says, you will have long life, and in that life, you'll have peace. You have nothing missing and nothing broken in that life. So when we make the confessions that, we don't, that, that, that sickness doesn't come to our dwelling place, that's part of peace. Amen? Say, I am totally healed in my body in my relationships, and in my finances. Amen. Amen. When I keep the commandments of the Lord, I can make those confessions with confidence. And then verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, but bind them about thy neck, and then write them upon the table of thine heart. It says, So shalt thou find favor and good understanding. Where? In the sight of who? God and? That's that favor Pastor Sean was talking about. Tell your neighbor, say, Neighbor. When my, heart when my heart is turned toward God, favor chases me down. Oh, some ought to give God some praise for that. When you turn your heart to God, you don't even have to try to make connections with people. Favor will find you. People will begin to seek you out to give you the advantage, to give you the deal that you need. But it all starts with us putting our heart toward God. Verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with what? All thine heart and do what? Lean not unto what? Thine own understanding. But what? In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall do what? Direct our path. That means that I have to ask God what to do even when I think I know what to do. How many of you have ever had a situation? You ain't got to raise your hand, but you can be honest with your eyes. 
How many of you know that there has been times in your life that you thought you knew what to do, and because of that, you didn't consult God, you started off down a path only to realize that it was the wrong path. It, you, it was the wrong methodology. It was the wrong ideology. It was the wrong way to go. And then in that path, you had to turn and stop and ask God, and then God sent you in a different direction. Now, how many know God's good about redirecting, amen? But God's also good about directing. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. You, shouldn't you shouldn't always need redirection. Right, right, right. Because sometimes we, what we need to practice, we've got to become consistent in, is going to God, getting direction so we don't have to be redirected. Think about this on your job. How many of you hate rework? I don't know about you, but I hate rework. I hate doing, I hate rework. It's a waste of time. I don't like it. Tell me what you need so I can do it right the first time. So the same thing with God. I hate having to redo things. I hate having to, to lay this plan out and, and do all of these things, and I think it's all great, only to find out that's not what God wanted me to do. And so in our lives, we have to make sure that we are consulting God, that we are trusting God, that we are asking for directions, acknowledging him so that he can direct our path. Next two verses. It says, be not wise how? In thine own eyes. But reverence, this word right here, fear, doesn't mean terrified. It means to reverence God. It means to be in awe of him. It means to think of him highly. It says, so reverence the Lord. And when you do that, what, what happens? You depart from evil. Now, I want to talk about this a little bit this morning because people think of evil most of the time as smoking weed, having sex, drinking, robbing, stealing. But how many of you know that any time you go the opposite direction of God, that's evil? No, uh, amen. Anytime you go, the, uh, let me help. Anytime you go the opposite direction of God, that is evil. Amen. Uh huh. It is so. Amen. Amen. Why? Because the word evil is the same word translated in the Bible as the word twisted. And how many of you know the Bible says you can't be double minded? Because if you're double minded, you, you won't receive anything from God. We, we even use the word in our English language when we talk about uh, furniture, we call Furniture that's twisted, wicker furniture. Well, how many know wicker furniture is really strong furniture? Because it's been tied together. And so you have to be careful not to have wicked thinking because if you have wicked thinking, it's really tied together and it's hard to undo. And if you have wicked thinking and it goes against God, you'll end up going with the thing that's strongest in your life. And if you haven't spent a lot of time with God, that evil thinking will cause you to do something different. Amen? That's the reason when Pastor John was talking about tithing. Listen, I, I'm a, as I can tell you, I heard about tithing growing up. You know, I understood it. I could quote the scriptures, could even have teach, taught a message on it. But I didn't believe in tithing because I had twisted thinking about, about the tithe. And, and you will never become a tither until you can untangle that thinking. And the only way to untangle any thinking in your life is through the word of God. It doesn't matter whether it's about the tithe, whether it's about your marriage, whether it's about raising your kids, whether it's about your attitude. If you have a particular way of thinking, you have to be smart enough to say, does my thinking line up with what God says? If it doesn't, then you have to say, I need to change. But how many know change is not change until you change? So you can know you need to change. But don't change. And so the Bible then tells us, it says, that we have to make sure that we do everything we can to what? Depart from evil. It says, and if we do it, it shall be what? Health to our navel and marrow to our bones. In other words, he says, he uses an illustration here of the natural body. He said, it'd be, he said if you would depart from evil, it will be just like a, how a baby gets nourished from the mother. A baby gets all of its nourishments from the mother through the umbilical cord. They transfer everything they have. He says, if you get connected to God, he'll transfer everything he has to you. Yeah. And how many of you know if there's no sickness in God, there'll be no sickness in you? Yeah. If there's no weakness in God, there'll be no weakness in you. If there's no evil in God, there'll be no evil in you. He says, so reverence God, connect with him. He says, and it'll be just like a baby being nourished from its mother. Amen? Tell your neighbor, say, it is time. For my, faith for my faith to flourish. to flourish. Now, understand, you've probably heard me and Pastor Sean say this in the past, and I'm going to say it again today. But for every promise and for every principle and for every prophecy that you will ever hear about, there is a faith process to bring it to pass. Amen. Amen. When you hear about, she mentioned it this morning, when you hear about salvation, you don't get saved because you think about being saved. 
You get saved because you enter in through the faith process, which says, I confess with my mouth that, Lord, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for my sins, and he got up with all power in his hands. When you, make it, when you make that confession, that is your faith. You're going through that process, and as a result, you get saved. Amen? Amen. Well, the same thing is true with other areas of your life. You have to go through the faith process. So we want to talk about what that looks like. So let's go to Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. It says, So verily I say unto you that, wh that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, Watch this, and shall not what? Doubt in his what? Heart. Notice where doubt originates. It originates in a man's heart. That's why you have to be careful about the conversations you have with other people. Because if God tells, listen, if God tells you something, he, it's not required for him to tell 50 other people why he told you. So you have to make sure that when you're sharing your vision, that when people are seeing things that goes against your vision, that you don't allow that to get into your heart. Amen? Because the Bible says that whosoever shall say unto the mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the, to the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, then he shall have whatsoever he saith. Say, my life, my life. will be determined. By what, I say, By what I say and what I believe. And, what I believe. And, and that's the essence of faith. That's the essence of what faith is. Your life is going to be determined by what you say and what you believe. Oh, but Pastor Edwin, what about all these external circumstances? God is bigger than all your external circumstances. God, in fact, watch this. God knew about all the external circumstances you would encounter before you ever encountered them. The Bible says that with every temptation... In other words, every time you have the opportunity to quit, God has already made a way of escape. Amen. Say, I have, I have a fail-proof fail plan. plan. I, I got a plan that won't fail. It, it, it's fail-proof. God told me to do it. It's got to work. And you got to get to the place where you can trust and believe God like that. Amen? So, here what it, so faith, then, is believing. Faith is believing because when we, when, we, when we say what it is that God has said, we're saying that whatever God says is higher than anything else. And whenever you put God at the top, how many of you know that God's going to always come through? Tell your neighbor, just look at your neighbor and tell him, say, listen, you need to know that God always comes through. Say always. Tell me again, say always. Say, I mean always. <laughs> God always comes through. God always comes through. It, it may not seem like it, but God always comes through. The Bible is full of stories about how God came through. And so it may look difficult. It may be trying. But you, you've got to believe God enough not to, not to believe everything you see. You've got to love God enough not to believe everything that you hear. The Bible says that your, that your five senses will derail your faith. You cannot live your life by what you can see, what you can touch. You can't even live your life by what you can understand intellectually because God is not required to explain everything to you. you his only job is to instruct you, and then your job is to believe. Amen? Now, the Bible says here, here's what happens. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 through 14, it tells us how we receive these promises. It's a universal principle. It says all the promises of God come to us the same way. So that Richard's not trying to figure out how to get a promise, and I'm trying to figure out how to get a promise, and Michelle's trying to figure out how to get a promise, and April's trying to figure out how to get a promise. The Bible says all of God's promises come along the same line. And it come how? Through faith. The Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Somebody give God some praise for that. You have been redeemed. And, and, and you really get excited when you think about what the curse, the curse of the law basically said this. Everything you do will fail. No matter how hard you work at it, no matter how long you work at it, no matter how good it looks, in the end, it's going to fail. But the Bible says that Christ came and redeemed us from that curse. The Bible says he was made a curse for us 
The Bible says, cursed is he, or cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. So literally, you and I had a lifestyle where we were sentenced to failure. But Christ came and he took that life sentence from us and exchanged a sentence of prosperity with us. And then he hung on the cross and died so you and I would never have to be uh, under the curse of the law another day of our life. Amen? Now watch this. If we have been redeemed from the curse, why live under a curse? It's, it's like somebody taking you out of a bad situation, but you just keep returning to it. It's not your situation anymore. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor the, curse the curse is not, is not my, situation my situation anymore. Amen. You ought to give God some praise for that. It's not your situation anymore. So, so stop living, stop living under the curse. It's not your situation. That's not your sentence anymore. It's, it, it's, it's like having a life sentence in prison, and then they commute your sentence, but you keep staying in jail. You're free. You, you've, been, you've been set free. The Bible says the reason he did this is so that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that's you and I, through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Faith. So you and I gain our faith. Our faith grows when we exercise it. It grows when we feed it, but we get it because of what Christ did for us. Amen. You know, we've taught this before. We said every man has been given a measure of faith. But how many of you know it's up to you what you do with that measure? And so what we're encouraging you to do is to spend time developing your faith. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2. And I think it's really important because we, you can hear word, but hearing word won't make you have faith. You have to choose to receive that word. We, we use this example all the time. If you go home and you stand in your garage, that does not automatically make you a car. Amen? You're in the garage, but you are still a person. So just because you come to church and hear word doesn't mean you're a person of faith. You have to choose to be a person of faith. You have to choose to act upon what it is that God's telling you to do. And when you do that, your life changes. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 2, it says, For unto us was the gospel preached. That word gospel means good news. How many know when you hear the word of God, you ought to be excited because it's good news? It says, for unto us was the good news preached or proclaimed, as well as unto them. It says, watch this, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with what? Faith. So if you're going to hear a word, if you're, going to, if you're going to hear confession, if you're going to sing songs, if you're going to listen to sermons, you've got to do it with an expectation that your faith is going to be attached to it. Amen? A lot of people... Uh, they get upset about Pastor Joel Osteen. And what they say is that Joel Osteen, uh, that his teaching is not deep enough or that he doesn't deal with sin enough. But what Joel Osteen does a wonderful job of doing is making you see the possible so that you can attach your faith to it. He, he, he does a great job of saying, hey, just because something negative happened doesn't mean your whole life has to be negative. It doesn't mean that everything else in your life is over with. He says, all you got to do is trust and believe God. Now, at that point, it's up to you to decide whether that's true or not true. And the problem is, is most people, inherently, most people believe that it is easier to fail than it is to win. Inherently. Inherently, most people believe it's easier to fail than it is to win. But winning and failing are equal. Do you hear me? They're equal. It's all about a choice. You get to choose which one you believe. Even some of you right now, when I say that, you're struggling with that because you don't believe it. You don't believe that. You said, I don't believe that statement. I'm going to nod and shake my head so he hurry up and get through. But I don't believe that. The problem is because you don't believe it, you keep living a self-fulfilling prophecy. You don't believe that it's easier to win or as easy to win as it is to fail. You think it's easier to fail and you get proficient in failing and don't understand why it's so easy for you to fail. It's easy because it's what you believe. Everything, watch this, everything you believe is easy. 
everything you believe is easy. You believe that, 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 you know, you take people, we talk about this all the time because we do, we do, especially now we're doing a lot of, of marriage coaching. We talk to people all the time. And there are some people that are like, you know what? If this marriage ends, I have me somebody in 30 days. And they will. You know why? Because they, they believe it. They, they don't spend no six years crying about who they are. They, they like, look, the, the divorce paper, the, the ink will be drying while they go on the first date. What? Because they, because inherently they believe I ain't got to be by myself. There are people who like this. They say, you know what? If I don't like this job, I'll find me another one. And they do. They're like, you know, I ain't got to put up with this. I, I, I got skills. I got talents. I'll find me something else. There are other people who will get mistreated on their job because they feel like they ain't got nowhere else to go. It's all about what you feel about yourself and what you believe. And whatever you believe, it's easy for you. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, today I declare winning is easy for me. Oh, you ought to give God some praise for that. Amen. Hallelujah. So if you're going to walk in faith, we've talked about this before, but I want to share these with you this morning. If you're going to walk in faith, there are four components you need to walk in faith. If you're going to walk out any faith principle, there are four components that you need. Number one, you must have revelation. You have to have revelation. If indeed you are going to walk out any truth, then you have to have revelation. What is revelation? It is simply an understanding of a truth at a level of comprehension. In other words, it's like this. If BJ and I are having a conversation and BJ says, hey, I believe the Lord told me to buy a business, okay? If he never acts on that, he never has any revelation of it because revelation causes you to act on something. And so he has to have revelation, which is, oh, okay, this is what God wants me to do. Or an understanding. Like, you know, so there, there are times where people come to church and they don't have an understanding about confessions. People actually think sometimes when we do confession that they think, oh, I'm having to preach the whole message with the preacher. Well, not really, but yes. We do want you to preach the message because we want you to say those things about your life. But if you have no revelation of what confessions does, it almost can seem like a waste of time. But if you know that what you say out of your mouth shapes your life, then you understand with revelation exactly why you shouldn't just sit there when we're doing confessions. Amen. In fact, when you get revelation of confessions, you get here before 930. Ooh-wee. Revelation. 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 Because, you know, you know, you're like, you know what? I can't miss confessions. This, this is my opportunity to corporately say what I believe about my life anyway. Number two, if you're going to walk in, if you're going to walk in faith, the second thing you got to have is a role model. Amen. You need a, you need a revelation. And you need a role model. A role model is someone that has walked through a truth that you are wanting to walk through. Ultimately, you can always look to Jesus. Amen. Because in every situation, the, the, the word of God has an answer for you. But there are times in your life that you may actually need a, 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 a real life in the here and now example, and God will give those to you. We talk about all the time when we were in our struggles in the early years of our marriage, for us, it was Pastor Tony and Pastor Cynthia. They were our role models to help us model the behavior necessary to have a good marriage. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with having a role model. If you want to take that, you can change that word to coach. If you want to be successful in life, you need a coach. If you want to get in shape, you need a coach. You want to get better at your job, you need a coach. You want to, include, you want to get better on your marriage, you need a coach. Even if that coach happens to be a book. But you got to get the information from somewhere, amen? amen? Number three, if you're going to walk in any truth, if you're going to walk in faith, walk out any truth, you need a regimen of faith. A regimen of faith. It is a systematic way of applying God's word in your life to get the promised results. It's a systematic way of applying the promises of God or the word of God in your life to get results. You know, I've said this many, many times before. How many of you know it's really irritating when someone comes to you and asks you for your advice and you say, here's what you need to do, A, B, C, and D. And they go back and you say, how'd it go? They say, well, it didn't work. You say, well, what happened? They say, well, I didn't do A and B. I just did C and D. 
you like, then why you waste my time? Because you didn't even do everything I told you to do. So if you're going to have, you got to have a systematic regimen of faith. You got to have a way to, to apply God's word. I'm telling you, one of, the word, one of the ways to apply God's word is through confession. You got to be saying what it is that, that God has said about your life. You know, people, we were talking about this the other day. Pastor and I have been making the confession for probably 10 years that we live a debt-free lifestyle. We've been making that. Now, do we still pay our mortgage? Yeah. I don't make my confession and say I live a debt-free lifestyle and don't pay my mortgage. That ain't wisdom. But what I do know is we keep making the confession, and, 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 it, and you may make it for 10 years, but in 10 years in a month, the debt could be paid off. Now, that's a whole lot better than 30 years. So, so you, don't, you can't judge whether it's working by the, by the length of time. Because check this out. What, think about it like this. If you had a sickness in your body and they told you that that sickness was unto death and you kept making confessions every day and you live for the next 12 years, isn't that better than not making confessions and dying in six months? Yeah. Absolutely. Unless you got some place else you'd rather be. So you, gotta, you, gotta, you can't see it as, well, I made this confession last week and nothing happened. Something is always happening. Every time you make your confession, I wish you could see it. When I make my confessions, I envision doors opening. I envision windows opening. They may be way down the road, but they are things that are opening in my life that I can't even see right now, but I know when I get there, it's going to seem easy, but it didn't just happen. It happened as a result of what I did years ago. That's why you make your confessions every day. I made my confession. You know, sometimes you'll make a confession, and, and it'll seem like you don't know if it's working. I believe in my heart for all the times we've ever made those confessions about no weapon formed against our family is why we hadn't had any of our kids in any tragic accidents, no surgeries, none of that stuff. It's working. It may not seem like it's working, but it's working because I don't have to, I don't have to do anything about it. You know, when you start making confessions over your kids, and you, you, while they're five and six years old, you're declaring that when they're teenage years, they're not going to go through all that crazy teenage stuff they say about And then your kids go through their teenage years, they don't have no problems. Your confession worked. You know, I, I don't have to. I confess that we live in a cancer-free zone. Amen. Right. Amen. I, I don't want to have to prove my confession didn't work. I, I don't want to have to get cancer and then pray to go away. I'm praying it never comes. Right. I, I, I never coming is also a, a working confession. Amen. Absolutely. And so you got to get a regiment of faith to employ that in your life. And then number four, you got to get a righteous resolve. A righteous resolve simply says it is I have a godly heart and the right motive for doing what I'm doing. I'm doing the right thing because it's right. I'm doing the right thing because it's right. Because it's right. And that's the toughest. So it's easy to do the right thing when you see a benefit out of it. Oh, I'm going to do right because if I do right, I'm, I'm going to get a reward. But sometimes you have to just do right because it's the right thing to do. The reward is that it's the right thing to do. That's difficult for people because intrinsically we feel like if I do something, I ought to get something. But we forget that we've been given something first. <laughs> You've been given eternal life. You've been given access to Jesus. And so doing the right thing is your repayment for him for what he's done for you. So you never say, sometimes you got to do the right thing because it's right. You got to have a righteous resolve. The devil will always present an opportunity for shortcuts. Hear me when I say that. The devil will always present opportunities for shortcuts. But if you take the shortcut, you shortchange the process that would have strengthened you for the next fight that was to come. It's like if you're lifting weights and you're cheating on the reps. You're just cheating yourself. You, you ain't cheating the weights. The weights going to be who the weights are. You're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself. And so when God is, so when you are going through a test, and it's not that God puts you through some, but the Bible says tests are going to come. You have an adversary. He wants to see if he can get you to not believe. So when that test comes, don't shortchange it by trying to take a shortcut. Walk through the process. 
You know the worst thing to do when you're going through a faith challenge is to stop in the middle. Because here's what happens. When you're going through a faith challenge and you stop in the middle, your mind says basically that you failed. So now when you have to go through it again, you don't start right there. You got to go all the way back and start all over again. And the whole time your mind's saying, well, you know you didn't make it last time. You know you didn't make it last time. You know you didn't make it last time. There's a little image that I saw on Facebook one time, and it had a man, and he was digging through a tunnel. And he was about this far from striking gold or the diamonds or whatever it was. And he had turned around. Listen to me. You never know what your next confession will break you through to. You never know. Just You're thinking, man, I've been doing this for five years. And then the next Sunday, you don't come. But had you made your confession that Sunday, it was somebody in church waiting to give you what you needed. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, I am not engineered to quit. That's right. Ain't no give up in me. Ain't no give up in me. I don't, I don't care how many times I have to redo it, restart it, whatever. There is no quitting me. If God said it, I believe I'm going to see the promise of it. Amen? Now, here's why these four things are impo important. Look at Hebrews 10.35. Hebrews 10.35 uh, through verse 38 in the Amplified. Oh, he's got it up here. Look, it says, do not, therefore, what? Fling away, what? Confidence. For why? It carries a great and glorious compensation of reward. He says, don't just, don't let the devil cause you to just throw in a towel. That's why you got to make that confession. Lord, I thank you that I'm not engineered to quit. It's a small confession, but it's a great confession. Listen, we, I'm not engineered to quit on my marriage. I'm not engineered to quit on this church. I'm not engineered to quit on my friendships. I'm not engineered to quit. And so because I'm not engineered to quit, the devil's not going to throw something my way and cause me to throw away my confidence. Because my confidence gives me great reward. It says, for you have need, tell your neighbor, say neighbor, you have need of steadfast patience. And we know that word patience means what? Consistency. I need steadfast consistency. How many of you know that if you find a person who is consistent, you are much more willing to trust them than you are a person who's not consistent? Watch this. You can have a friend who is so inconsistent that you will trust a stranger who has displayed consistency twice before you trust your friend. Tell your neighbor, say, consistency speaks for you in your absence. Absolutely. Consistency will speak. If you're consistent on your job, and let's say you make a mistake, your boss will be like, well, I know so-and-so didn't do that. They'll assume you didn't make the mistake because you're so consistent. But if you're one of those inconsistent people, you cannot have done it. And they're like, oh, I know he did it. You're getting blamed for stuff you didn't do. So the Bible says you have need of steadfast consistency it says, and endurance so that you may perform and fully accomplish what? The will of God and thus receive and carry away and enjoy to the full what is promised. He says that's why you need consistency because consistency gets you to your destiny. He says, but if you have no consistency, you won't get to your destiny because every pitfall and every roadblock that shows up, you will fall into or fall over. He says, you got to know that your confidence in God is not based on what's going on. Amen. Amen. Your confidence in God is not based on... When, when, when we were trying to repair our marriage, we could not base what God said on how she was acting. We just couldn't do that. We could not base that on that. We had to make sure... We had to make sure that we were trusting God. Amen. Amen. I'm going to get it next time. <laughs> we had to have steadfast consistency because in the consistency, we were, when, when, when we weren't acting the way we were supposed to, the, the, the focus got off of us and onto God. God, what did you say? And then, it became once, and then it became like this. I'm not even concerned about what the other person is doing. I'm just going to be consistent for God. 
Because now my consistency is not here, but it's here. And once this consistency gets going, God has a way of working things on that side. For many of us, what we spend our time doing is trying to get other people to change. We try to get somebody else to be consistent. We say things like, well, if you would just do this, then I would do this. But the reality is your consistency is for you. You being consistent because someone else is being consistent is not really consistent. It's contingent. Because I say as long as BJ does what he's supposed to do, then I will do it. That's contingency. Consistency is I don't care what BJ does, I'm going to do what I promised. And that's what has to happen in any relationship that you're going to build. So if I'm trying to build my relationship through my job, if I'm trying to build my relationship with my kids, with my wife, if I'm trying to make myself, if it's, even if it's working out, whatever you're trying to do, you have need of this steadfast patience. Take your neighbor and say, do not, do not. Give, up give up your confidence. Your confidence. Now let's look at James chapter 1, verse 2. James chapter 1. Verse 2, and I'm probably not going to read all of this, but it says, Consider it wholly joyful, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped in or encounter trials of any sort or fall into various temptations. It says, Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith, they bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. It says, Now you need to let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play. And do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. And if any of you is deficient in wisdom, then ask of the giving God who gives to everyone liberally and ungrudgingly without reproaching or fault finding. And it will be given him. It says only it must be in faith. That he asked with no wavering. That means no hesitating and no doubting. For the one who wavers, the one who hesitates, the one who doubts, he is like a billowing surge out of the sea that is blown hither and thither and tossed by the wind. Verse 7 says, For truly, let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks from the Lord. For being as he is a man of two minds. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor. When it comes to faith, you can only be of one mind. He says the man of two minds is a hesitating person, a dubious person, an irresolute person. He is unstable, he is unreliable, and he is uncertain about everything that he thinks, that he feels, and he decides. He says a man who does that is never going to get anything. So if you're believing for the restoration of something, you can't be believing God going to do it on Monday and saying it ain't never going to happen on Tuesday. He says you cannot be irresolute. You cannot be a hesitating person. You you, You can't be a person who's trying to decide whether or not you believe God. He says you gotta be a person who knows that when God makes a promise, he is faithful and just to see that promise come to pass. You cannot be unstable, you cannot be unreliable, and you cannot be uncertain when it comes to the things of God. Amen? Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, I declare, I, declare. I am not, not. engineered engineer. to quit. Amen. Amen. And because I'm not engineered to quit, then I know that when I'm in faith, there are certain expectations that I can have. And I'm going to close with these expectations. Here are the five faith expectations that you that you, you, you need to see them in your life because this is how you know that you are in faith. Now, we're not going to go to the scripture right now, but the Bible tells us uh, when it talks about Abraham, it says Abraham staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief. But he was strong in his faith, being fully persuaded that what God had promised him, he was faithful and just to perform it. You cannot stagger in your faith. If you stagger in your faith, the devil's going to knock you out. Now, the great news is you can get up. But if you like me, you don't like getting knocked out. So you got to make sure that you don't spend time staggering. How do I stagger in my faith? I listen to the wrong information. 
You can stagger in your faith because you're, you're, you're looking at things that are, are, are temporal. The Bible says everything that is temporal is subject to what? Change. Everything that's temporal. The weather. How many, did you hear those storms last night? Well, look how pretty it is outside right now. Why? It's temporal. It's subject to change. So I don't, I do not change from an eternal belief based on a temporal situation. I don't take what God said and change it because something that is subject to change currently looks a different way. And if you live your life like that, you will be like that man in James who never receives anything. Because the Bible calls the devil the prince of this world or the prince of the air. And so because of that, he has some dominion over the things that we see. But that's why the Bible says that we walk by faith, not by So if we don't walk by sight, no matter what he does, I'm still believing what I heard from God. So here are these, these five expectations. Say, I have, I have an, expectation an expectation that when I'm in faith, I'm in faith I, will see I will see results. results. Number one, when you are in faith, you can expect God to give you wisdom. Yes. You can expect it. You can expect God to give you insight about stuff you never even knew before. God can give you wisdom. It is the accurate application of knowledge both natural and spiritual. Because how many know God doesn't just have access to spiritual things? God's got access to, to natural things. You'll be praying and the Lord will tell you, hey, I need you to take some of your money and invest in X. You'll be like, well, why do I want to do that? Because he knows what's going to happen to X. And he's trying to get you wealthy. Because he knows if he gets you wealthy, that your heart's toward him, then he can get other things done in the earth. So God will give you wisdom, the accurate uh, application of knowledge, both natural and spiritual. Number two, when you're in faith, you can expect it. And Pastor Sean said this every week for the last three weeks. You really got to get this one. You really need to start expecting it. Every day you want to see it show up is favor. Amen. Say favor, favor is working, is working. On, my on my behalf. Favor is simply a divinely motivated assistance of others who use their powers and abilities to assist you in your endeavors. Let me say it like this. Favor is somebody doing for you what you can't do for yourself. That's what favor is. And how many know that because everything that happens in the earth, the Lord uses a person for it. The Bible even gives us an example of this uh, when, when Moses and Pharaoh were going back and forth. The, the Lord will, will tell Moses to do something, to Pharaoh, uh, will tell Pharaoh to do something, and then, and then Moses would do something, and the Lord would turn Pharaoh's heart. He'd say, let him go, and go get him. Let him go, go get him. It was an example to show us that God's always in control. That, that there'll be folk who say, I ain't never going to help you, and the Lord will be like, mm, yeah, you will. No, no, no. Yeah, that, that's how it works. See, and that's the, that's the confidence that we have. It don't matter who says they're against me. When God says you have what I need, he has a way of getting you to get it to me. No, I ain't, I ain't, I ain't gonna never, never going to do that. I, I don't know why I'm doing this. Lord, don't turn their heart. Well, we don't have any more scholarships. Oh, you know what? We just call, a scholarship just popped up on the screen. We just called you let you know it's available for you. Turn their heart. Favor is available to you. Pastor Sean said this morning, you connect to God with favor. Yes, your faith, you ought to be in expectation of it. But when you begin to partner with God with what's precious to you, you connect with God. Now, why did I say it like that? Because for most people, the two most important things in their life is their time and their money. It's the most important things in their life. And when you take your time and your money and you deposit it into the kingdom, the, 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 the withdrawal that you get is favor, which is why favor is better than because favor do for you what money can't do. That's, I love God's system. I, what I put in, it, it, what I get out is greater than what I put in. So one of my expectations is that I'm going to get wisdom and I'm going to have favor with God and with man. And then number three, 
the thing I can believe for is a plan of action. When I'm in faith, I can believe God for a plan of action. A plan of action is simply laid out steps to bring the acquisition of the desired result. It's a laid out plan. God is strategic. God is, you know, I know that, you know, I grew up in the church of God in Christ, and, and it was almost like if you had a plan, it wasn't of God. It was like if service started at 9.30 and you were going to sing two songs and then you were going to have testimony service and they was going to preach, it was like, oh, you got that written down. God can't move. God can move with a plan. <laughs> he can. Everything don't have to be willy-nilly with God. Amen. Now, now, you can't be so rigid in your plan that if God says deviate, you don't deviate. But God don't mind structure. All right, tonight, when the sun goes down, what's going to be up? When the moon goes down, what's going to be up? When, after we get through with spring, it's going to be? And after summer, it's going to be? And then it's going to be? And then we're going to come right back into? That's a structure. God did that. You know, we don't wake up one day and be like, oh, it's winter today. Oh, tomorrow is summer. No, God is not sporadic. So God doesn't mind a plan. Now, what God doesn't want to do is give you a plan, and now when God says, okay, instead of doing this today, do this, you go, nope. We're doing this, God. This is what you gave me today. Now, he don't want you to be rigid like that. <laughs> that ain't what he's saying. He's saying, look, he, he, we tell people all the time, you got to hear what God said and then hear what God is saying because what God said is not always what he's because just like things are subject to change he knows how to get you to navigate those changes well, well, well why would God say something changes mind well what did he tell Abraham to do he said Abraham take your son and go up on the mountain he says do what sacrifice the boy that's what he told him to do to lay him, build, build an altar an, an altar and kill the boys what he told him but when he got ready to, to stab him to death what did he say he said wait he can't be like, no, no, you told me to get it. I, I got it. <laughs> got it. No, you can't be like that. You can't, you can't be like that. You can't do that, all right? You got to have a plan of action, but then you have to be, be willing to follow the plan until God says something different, amen? Tell your neighbor, so there's nothing wrong with having a plan. It's like when you have a budget. There's nothing wrong with having a budget, but you need to hear God. There's times we've had a budget, and in that budget, God will say, okay, don't pay that this month. And we'd be like, well, why not pay that? Oh, he'll say, don't pay it right now. we are like, why not pay it right now? Why don't we pay it? Why don't we just, we got the money. Why don't we pay it? Well, we obey God, and we don't pay it. Something happened. We need to buy a refrigerator. Well, now we got the money to buy the refrigerator, and then the money we needed came at the end of the month, and we still paid everything. It's just a matter of listening to God. God knows better than you. He knows better than you. Number four, if you're going to be if you're going to be in faith, these are expectations. Number four is you can be in expectation of a miracle. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. Miracles still happen. We told you about the testimony of Kevin and Erica. That's an absolute miracle. It is a medical miracle. The doctors told her it couldn't happen, it wouldn't work, all these other things, but they trusted and believed God, and they produced the very thing God promised them. Now, you can't always predict a miracle, but you can always be in expectation of one. Okay? So what is a miracle? It's the supernatural intervention of God. It is the supernatural intervention of God whereby he supersedes natural laws and gets directly involved in your life. He supersedes natural laws and gets directly involved in your life. There are examples of miracles all throughout the Bible. The Bible talks about there was a time when literally the man of God commanded that the sun stay still. The time stopped. How many know that supersedes natural time or natural laws? Jesus 
uh, superseded natural laws. He walked on water. And Peter's faith was so in tune that he superseded that natural law too. And so the, the, the Bible says there are so many accounts of people who literally had died and were on their way to the funeral or were dead. And literally Jesus walked by and life came back into them. That's miracles. And so literally we tell people all the time, if one of us pass away, before y'all start all that embalming and crying stuff, pray over me. I, I'm not sure that it's over with yet. I, I, want, I want the saints to pray for me. Right. She said, she said y'all didn't say amen. She said, don't call y'all. <laughs> Listen, you got to get your faith to say, you know what? I, until it's, it ain't over till it's over. Amen? And so you can always believe God for a miracle. A miracle is simply, and many times a miracle is just something that can't be explained. It's God doing something for you when, when it ain't happening for nobody else. You know, uh, we've got people in our ministry who are believing that their houses and stuff are going to sell. I don't care if they say houses aren't selling. Those people are going to sell their house. Why? Because in faith they can have these expectations. And then lastly, your expectation is that you have the strength to endure until change comes. You have the strength to endure until change comes. In other words, you have the spiritual fortitude and the wherewithal to consistently stand fast. You have the spiritual fortitude and the wherewithal to, to consistently stand fast until your manifestation shows up. One of the things that we believe, and people have been saying it, it's funny because several people last week and this week have said it. They've said to me, Pastor Edwin, I believe Fellowship of Champions is really going to grow. I believe it. 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 I believe God's got so many wonderful things he wants to do in this area, not just in us, but what Pastor Sean said, in us, through us, for us, all of those things, for the community, and God's going to raise that up. The question is, will we be consistent? We will be consistent in our learning. We'll be consistent in our coming. Will we endure until the change we want to see comes? And that's the question you have to ask about every faith fight that you're in. Are you going to believe God no matter what happens? And if your answer is yes, Gloria Copeland says it like this. She said, if you are willing to stand forever, you will not have to stand very long. And once you make the decision, remember we said decision means to cut away? Once you've made the decision that the only person you're going to believe is God, you'll see how easy things get in your life. Things will get so easy in your life. Why? Because we believe without a doubt that God wants you to win. Amen? God wants you to win, and you're designed to win. And if you will have these expectations, put them on a note card, put them in your car, do something where you can say, you know what, I'm believing for wisdom, I'm believing for favor, a plan of action for miracles, and if nothing else, the strength to endure until change comes. That can be your morning confession every morning. Because if you will do those things, I'm telling you, God will begin to move in your life. Amen? Amen. I mean, are you excited about your faith? Amen. Are you excited about how your faith is growing? Then give the Lord some praise this morning.